Hello, Farm D Nation. My name is Derek Delaney, and I am excited to introduce to you the Farm D Money Podcast. I understand it can be very difficult finding time in a busy schedule to educate yourself on becoming better with your money, especially when you consider all of the crazy stuff that happens in our financial world that can impact your finances. That is why I created the Farm D Money Podcast so pharmacists and their families have a place to go to get current and impactful information about their finances straight from a certified financial planner. We'll talk about topics ranging from finance, economics, investment management, taxes, and so much more. I look forward to you joining me on my journey of helping pharmacists become the most financially savvy type of doctor there is. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hey everyone, welcome to the Darshan Talks live stream. I'm your host, Darshan Kulkarni. It's my mission to help you trust the products you depend on. So as you know, I'm an attorney, I'm a pharmacist, and I advise companies with FDA-regulated products. So if you think about drugs, wonder about devices, or obsess with pharmacy, this is the podcast for you. Um, I have to say that I'm an attorney, but I'm not your attorney. I'm a pharmacist, but I'm not your pharmacist. So this is neither legal advice, nor clinical advice, or patient engagement advice. Uh, as our guest is going to talk to us about today. Um, I do these live streams because they're because they are a lot of fun and because I find myself learning something new every single time. So it would be nice to know if, if you're listening. So if you like what you hear, please like, leave a comment, please subscribe. If you actually also uh, have questions, please ask the questions. We have an amazing, amazing um, interview plan. And uh, our guest is superb at answering questions. So feel free to reach out ask questions. Additionally, if you like the entire conversation, please share it. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Darshan Talks or just go to our website at darshantalks.com. So today's podcast, or today's live stream, it is going to be about um, patient the, the first patient engagement day. And we had that very recently, and we're going to talk about that. So if you are in clinical research, if you are in marketing, if you are in just pure patient engagement, um, this is probably a conversation you care about. Our guest today is the SVP of Patient Insights at Prime Global. She manages a team of patient engagement experts as a center of excellence, but also supports all seven of Prime's medical communication agencies in their patient engagement work with pharma clients. She is a global expert on patient engagement, one of the most published experts and lecturers at the University of Cambridge about patient engagement. And like we just mentioned, she ran the first patient engagement day on September 1st. So our guest for today, ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, is Emma Sutcliffe. Hey, Emma, how are you? I'm absolutely great. I'm very colorful today, clashing <laughs> with my flowers. So if you're all feeling a little bit sleepy, you know, this, this blast of color should wake you all up. I, I, think, I think the flowers say, Spring is here, and and yet I see the fall going out as as we start talking about. So I'm I'm actually in, enjoying the last remnants of summer. And yep. good to have you on. So thank you. Now now talking about new origins, talking about changes of season. We are in a change of season. We um we're talking about the first patient engagement day. So let's start from the beginning. What is the a patient engagement day? 
So um, it really surprised me that we didn't have a day across our healthcare sector where we shared patient engagement practices. Um, and it's always been a bit of a bugbear of mine that pharma do... I don't want to be obsequious. I don't want to be sycophantic. Obviously, pharma are my clients. However, pharma do some awesome patient engagement programs, patient support programs. They always have done and they always will. What pharma don't do very well is blow their own trumpet because there's this whole sense of big, bad pharma and, you know, are they kind of influencing us all? And I've, I've always found that rhetoric ridiculous because the, the idea that a company that develops medicines and healthcare solutions for us um, isn't going to be able to influence us is a nonsense in itself. Of course, the people who develop um, our drugs and our medicines have a voice in our healthcare system. So it's it's just surprising. I just had a, just a, a pop-up. Let me just get that rid of that because it'll just disturb me. Um, so Patient Engagement Day came about because um, I've been working with pharma clients and patient groups and patient opinion leaders for 15, 20 years. And um, it, it, it just made me despair that we weren't sharing these great, 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 great case studies and practices about patient engagement because the more we share these practices the more we learn how to get them right how to improve them how to make them better and better and better and this all links to something that's very very close to my heart which is the patient activation measure so we're all talking about the importance of a an empowered patient an engaged patient um, but we don't actually share best practices in how to achieve that so, long story short, Patient Engagement Day was literally me saying, right, we need to have a day in the calendar every year when we share best practices uh, and we, we um, listen to what patients have to say and we listen to how they want to engage with pharma and we say back to those patient groups, this is all the stuff that we're doing that we think is really good for patient engagement and activation, is it? So, um, I, I kind of set it up and, and you know, it's one of those things where if you, if, you, if you put a party on, you kind of then are terrified, aren't you? Is anyone going to come to my party? It's like, it's like being, you know, 15, 16 again. But fortunately, more than 150, I think it was 156 at last count, different pharma companies joined in on patient engagement day. Um, and I was absolutely blown away by it because pharma notoriously don't really want together and share, get together and share best practices, but they did. And, um, you know, through the day, um, we were sharing lots of facts and figures and lots of motivational case studies to demonstrate to all pharma companies and all biotech companies that actually you can do patient engagement. It's not promotion. It's common sense. You know, if we want to help patients become more activated and more engaged and more empowered, then who better than the people who develop our medicines and services to be part of that of that um, learning process? So it was an incredible day, and lots of people did come to the party, and you know, I was 
genuine relief that that happened. Um, we culminated with a webinar with um, Shona Davis, who is um, ex-Merck, and actually Laura McEveney, who's the ex-global um, director for um, patient engagement, patient advocacy across Novartis. And Novartis are the gold standard in, in terms of how do you do patient engagement. Um, so it was just really a delight that those two, you know, real leaders in the industry in healthcare joined me for this webinar. And at the end of the day, we discussed the case studies and we had a very candid discussion around the fact that although we want it to be, patient engagement is still not mainstream. And there's still a lot that we need to do. And we've got to get all of our infrastructures together so that, you know, we are making patient engagement mainstream. And the, one of the ways to do that is to accept that patient engagement has a huge impact on the business of a pharma company too. So we call that the triple win. So if you get your patient engagement right, what happens is you get better medicine, services, products for patients sooner. It is ratified now that patient-focused drug development, you know, you are 19% more likely to launch a medicine and have that approval if you've in included patients in your clinical design program. So better stuff for patients, better business for pharma. We get those pharma assets through the pipeline sooner. And actually... In the process of engaging, we activate patients, and that has a huge impact on society because people who are more active about their health, um, and there's four levels of patient engagement, it's also been ratified that the more, um, the, the more that a patient scores on the patient activation measure, um, you know, of, of those four levels, you are up to 28% more likely to consume fewer healthcare resources. Literally, we don't have to see people turning up at the ER department because they are activated, they are informed, they are knowledgeable about how to manage health crises and health situations. So that's the, the third part of the triple win, engaged, activated patients consume fewer healthcare resources for society, which means our society can pull its resources to the people who need it. So that was literally uh, like a five minute lecture on patient engagement day. But as you can tell, it was just such a success. And in terms of the change of season, we are really a, a huge turning point for how patient engagement is perceived, measured, justified. So I'm literally goosebumping at where we're at. You know, it's been an incredible month, actually, for patient engagement um, and uh, patient lay summaries. And we've seen new reports and new things. But, you know, long story short... September the 1st, Patient Engagement Day, was literally about saying, where are we and what's next? And oh boy, have we done well? And oh boy, are we going to do better and better and better? So next September the 1st, 2022, is just going to be awesome and cumulative again. So I'll stop now. <laughs> <laughs> I love how passionate you are. No, I, I think... I think you, what you did is give a really, really important breakdown of, of showing the value of patient engagement and understanding how to bring yeah. the, some of the stakeholders to the table to say, 
let's have this conversation. So let me start from the beginning. Patient engagement. Yeah, do you want to just dissect all of that? <laughs> I'm not just sure a little bit. A description, or just you know, like literally me on my soapbox. Like you, 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 you've set me off now. I'm running. Well, I'm good. I'm glad. Um, so, so let me ask you this question: When you said patient engagement day, was this something that you guys created, or was this a national thing, or do you, are you hoping it'll eventually go national? Where are we right now? Um, it was a, a global event. So. Okay. Um, so yes, you know, uh, you know. Thank you so much to all the people uh, at Prime Global who put all the case studies together, put the facts and figures together, created lots of toolkits. Those toolkits were downloaded by, you know, competitor agencies. I mean, you know, it, we all succeed if we work together. And on this day, they were downloaded by by pharma company, patient engagement advocates. So what we had was the start of really an initiative that for one day every year we put the competition aside and we take a collective healthcare measure of how we're doing on patient engagement and the focus for this inaugural day was amplify the patient voice so that is a collective endeavor that we must all commit to so um, I'm not going to tell you what it's going to be for next year because I want to retain some ownership but yes it was literally my colleagues my um, kind of uh, uh, GLT in, in, in Prime Global, giving us resources, giving us, you know, time and remit to say, yes, set this day up. You know, you set this day up. I, it, was, it was incredible how many people joined in. And what I'm hoping is this is no longer mine. You know, what happens is it does actually go on and it becomes its own initiative. Um, and I really would not have expected, you know, more than 150 pharma companies on September 1st to be sharing their case studies and asking questions. And how do we do this? And how do this? And what was really lovely was we had um, you know, some real, really impactful patient opinion leaders who also joined in and they gave their time for free and they put videos out with us and they joined us in the webinar too. Um, so what you also had was that pincer movement really of patient groups saying, we also want this. We want to see pharma collaborating um, and we want you to collectively get together and join those dots and say, where are the flaws in the system? You know, how can we keep this moving forward? What you do see from all patient engagement initiatives is you get these huge drives. You know, you know, 2014, I think it was uh, PFMD launched. Um, and then 20, I think 2017, and, you know, there are people out there who feel free to correct me on my timelines, but there were, you know, 2017, we saw the EU, for example, starting to mandate patient lay summaries. And then um, a company like Envision, who are competitor agency, and companies like Oxypharmogenesis, again, competitor Medcom's agency, they took the patient lay summaries forward and they created toolkits. And as recently as the 18th of August, you know, Oxypharmogenesis with a group of pharma were publishing how we then make those, um, uh, those um, plain language summaries more innovative for patients. And then what we're now doing is taking those PLSs and turning them into patient voice publications. So what you see from all people who are really committed to patient engagement is the collaboration really works because there's enough work for us all to do. There's enough business for us all to do. So it's for our collective good to each take our little bits of expertise and keep pushing it forward. Um, and, you know, that is, 
really the essence of what we should be doing. You know, we should be doing it. Pharma has a voice in healthcare. Medcoms agencies have a voice in healthcare because, of course, we write educational materials. We are a key part of patient activation. And so for me, I've, you know, I've been in Medcom since 1996, and it's been so exciting. The past 18 months have really shown us what can happen when we collaborate to answer healthcare challenges. Um, and it, it just delights me because this is how it should be and this is how it can be. So, yes, Patient Engagement Day was set up by, you know, the prime patient group. But lots of my colleagues and competitors are also doing great things. And it's that collaboration that will make us all. I mean, the, the ethos of Prime Global is work brilliantly together. And that's, you know, with our clients, with our colleagues, with our competitors, because that's how we move things forward. So it's honestly, it's, you know, I think it's the best time to be in healthcare comms. It's, it's wonderful. Which, which is really the 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 it's an amazing time to be in health, healthcare communication because I think for the first time you get to actually go what do you want as a patient and and get true feedback and engage with patients in a way that's meaningful to get their feedback so but let me ask you this question that that I'm trying to also understand a little bit more about you talked about the case studies that these companies were sharing um, was there anything that stood out to you? As this is not, this was surprising, and the results of it were surprising. What what sort of or, or is everyone basically doing the same thing because they're too afraid to step out too far because of the lack of regulation? No, um, no one is afraid to step out too far. Really, pharma have got this, and it comes from the perspective. And actually, um, Laura McEveney articulated this, and as did Shona Davis during the webinar, much more. Um, eloquently than I possibly can. So what they basically said was, um, you have to do patient engagement because it's the right thing to do. And once you establish that mindset, once you put the ethics and the, the ethical reasons for doing patient engagement front and center, then the compliance piece naturally follows. And that's not being trite about the importance of regulated compliance at all. What it's saying is patient engagement and patient activation is the right thing to do. And we establish that and the practices then follow because everybody wants to get it right. You know, the patient groups want to get it right. The patient leaders want to get it right. Healthcare associations want to get it right. So when you have so many groups and stakeholders in healthcare wanting to make patient engagement work, then you will find the compliant way forward. And I have to say, you know, groups like the ABPI, groups like FPA are also collaborating with the major patient groups and they are you know filling in and, and they're keeping up with the pace too so you know we were in a situation let's be really honest we were in a situation it was just around the birth of my second child so that would be in 2008 right um once a mum always a mum you measure everything according to you know <laughs> your children but I remember very distinctly in 2008 we were at a real low for belief in the pharmaceutical industry and at that point there was I think it was something like 270 publications a year damning 
the pharmaceutical industry. Um, And, you know, that sounds like a drop in the ocean because there are 20,000 publications about oncology every year. So relatively speaking, you know, what's the big deal? But what this does tell us is almost every day and a half in that year, there was some negative damning message about industry. And actually, that's not helpful. And I remember at the time just saying, you know, this isn't really of any benefit to better patient outcomes. And I remember presenting um, at um, the ABPI and the Directors Institute in the in the UK, just saying, you know, we've, we're not getting this right. You know, we need to be speaking up for pharma. We need to learn lessons. But actually, if we push pharma away and out of our healthcare systems, it's literally chucking the baby out of the bathwater. Um, and since then, what we've seen is pharma have repurposed. They, they have, you know, taken it inside. They've internalized. They've reached out to patient groups and they've, they've said very, very transparently, how do we perform better? You know, Now we're at a stage when we almost routinely have patient-reported outcome measures in clinical trials. We almost routinely have patients contributing to clinical trial design. You know, we're starting to see our regulators ask for those patient-reported outcome measures. So now we're at the point when we can say, okay, is this actually improving patient activation? The patient activation measure has four levels to it. One is where a patient is almost completely um, passive about their general health care. They are terrified and stultified and not, not taking any responsibility or accountability towards their health. The second stage is um, where they perhaps want to be more activated and involved in their health, but lack the knowledge. And that's when we start to see the value of pharma and biotech because the patient engagement and education programs they provide are fantastic. So then we start to see that that partnership model. Stage three is then that a patient feels that they can take action around their health. They can say, well, how do I get a diagnosis? How do I get access to my treatment? So we start to see that patient activation measure score go up. And we start to see that, um, you know, a patient wants to be involved in their health. And then the top level, tier four, is where... Actually, a a patient is highly motivated, highly activated. However, under times of stress, under life stresses, a pandemic, for example, they might then start to struggle with their activation around their health. So what we've got as we're starting to measure this is huge patient engagement programs, patient activation programs, um, different initiatives from from pharma companies that are all adding to that patient activation measure. You know, all of these programs and initiatives all improve society's activation around their health. So what I'm really excited about is we're starting now to acknowledge farmers and biotech's contribution to patient engagement. Um, and we're starting to, um, you know, see of our healthcare professionals that they are now starting to say, well, actually, pharma company X, pharma company Y provide excellent patient engagement initiatives. So it's 
beyond the pill. So we, we've, we've talked about being beyond the pill for a long time, and we now are beyond the pill. So I am delighted that my pharma colleagues are now, um, you know, getting the merit and the credit they deserve for providing not just the pill, but the healthcare, education, patient engagement services. They deserve the credit for that. And they will keep improving it. Um, but this is just such a great place to be compared with, you know, that, that 2008 model of just lambasting pharma whenever we could. We're now at a place where we're saying, you know, I, I'm sure pharma's got a patient engagement program that we can tap into. Fantastic. You know, I can't believe it's been, you know, 12 years in the making. But here we are. Here we are. So, so it's so, very exciting. Here's a really interesting question for me, because there are two things that jumped out for me um, during the conversation. The, the first is um, the, the fact that you are, you, you talked about how FPA and ABPI and everyone else is sort of finally, for lack of a better term, seeing the light, which I think is, is amazing. What I, what I think is a conscious, uh, sorry, a, um, an interesting sort of conversation you didn't have uh, is the FDA, yeah. because the FDA, in my opinion, from a compliance perspective, is still trying to feel its way through what patient engagement should be. There's no doubt about it that they value it, but how they regulate it is something that they don't, they aren't clear about. An industry on this side of the pond, industry still trying to figure out how to, how to handle that. What I think yep. is also interesting for me is this other piece you mentioned, which is you're, you're talking about how, especially on, on your side of the pond, there are um, patients are finally seeing the value of engaging with pharma and they're seeing better better outcomes from it. So it's, it's less about pharma, let's be honest. In the end, none of what we do matters if patients aren't helped. Um, but, but the point is that patients are finally seeing this outcome. But one of the things that that jumps out at me, especially as someone um, who, who who sort of provides assistance in the context of advertising review and the like, is, um, I, I forget what it was, there was, there was an event, and uh, people from the UK and Europe and stuff saw the number of drug ads in the US, right. and the immediate reaction to that was, that's ridiculous, there are too many, Why? why do you need to tell me about drugs, talk to the doctor, it's overkill. I'm yeah. surprised that in patient engagement, you're not seeing that same reaction. Don't talk to me, talk to my doctor. Do you see an evolution in, uh, in advertising? Do you see an evolution in uh, compliance? And, and could you talk about, I, I threw out like 19 different points. So feel free to talk about I, I love 19 different points. You know, um, you know, give me 20. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, you know, chat to you all day about, about uh, different points. I'm going to actually do the politician thing, which I'm going to answer based on things that I know about rather than things I don't know about. So I'm not going to try and, and, and kind of answer all those 19 points, but I'm happy yes. to discuss them. But it is correct that there is a different approach and a different environment around patient engagement, um, you know, Europe, the US and North America. And also, we don't need to forget the um, underrepresented populations and underrepresented regions. So, um, 
the 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 setup in the in North America is different because it's much it's done much more in a for, formal way through the patient advocacy groups. Now this comes from the fact that your healthcare system systems there are are, are different. Um, and by that, you know, it is actually, if you look at um, the American Association of Oncology, for example, if you look at ASCO um, guidelines and, and, and the like and, and, um, and, uh, and, and rules, it's very clear within those medical organisations that patient advocate, advocacy is perceived to be something that um, a, a physician, an HCP, it's part of their remit. So it is different because there is, um, you know, within your health, within your medical infrastructure, there is almost a call to action that um, patient advocacy is something that um, HCP should be encouraged to contribute to. So what you've got in the US is a much um, deeper and broader patient advocacy group infrastructure and the way that those groups work with pharma is actually transparent and very well structured so the patient empowerment movement which is really stronger this side of the pond um, in, in Europe is much more around almost an individual patient as part of a patient group, perhaps, but more about the individual patients taking the lead and then that individual ownership. So what you do see are quite different patient engagement programs between those two regions. So in Europe, you will see um, pharma companies creating patient engagement programs that are about activating that patient. Um, because let's not forget, certainly within the UK, we have a national health service. So actually, um, you know, our patients, if they're activated, they can, you know, seek a better, um, uh, uh, they can circumvent or short, try and short circuit um, a diagnostic pathway and they can, you know, make better cries about access to treatment. So it's a, diff it's a different political healthcare infrastructure. Um, but also the merits of the, the North American, the US system, are that the professional relationships and the, the partnerships between patient advocacy groups and pharma are robust and they deliver a really good return, both for the advocacy group and for the pharma group. So it's um, a different, um, it's, it, it, those two different infrastructures do have an impact on, I suppose, the, the style and manner and the content. What we need to bear in mind, though, is that globally, patients will get together and they will share information and experience. Because we have, you know, uh, uh, we have the internet, and we've had we've had this for a long time. So, a patient in the US, if they're not getting the information they want, they will seek information and advice from a patient in another part of the world. So, um, you know, what you've got is this underlying. I, I want to say. Um, it's almost, it's pioneering, you know, patients are pioneering. So they will abide with the rules and regulations of a region to a certain extent, 
And then they'll do what they need to do to get the stuff that they need. So um, any patient engagement program from a global pharma company, of course, it has to be percipient around the regional proclivities and regulations. But they're also extremely mindful. And this is where the ethics comes in ahead of the compliance, because it's the right thing to do. Patient engagement is the right thing to do. So the regional compliance challenges will iron out because ultimately patient engagement is the right thing to do. <laughs> I know we could keep and going. One of your 19 points, but I think it probably made a re- hopefully a relatively decent point. If you did, you did. You were amazing. Here's the problem. We can keep talking about this forever. As you know, well, we only usually talk for about 15, 20 minutes. We're 30 already, 31. So you're just a fascinating person to talk to. Uh, Well, thank you so much for coming on. As you know, I do get to ask you four questions. So the first question, what would you like to ask the audience based on what we've discussed? I would like to, oh, Darshan, again, again, you're, you're, you're cracking at this. I always think I'm prepared for your podcast and I never am. Yeah, this is the third one I've done with you. I should know better, right? What would I like to ask the audience? I would like to ask the audience how they feel about um, patient engagement. Is it about to go to the next level. So we've got our basic patient education programs. We've got our support programs. What's the next level for patient engagement? Because I think we're just at that point. So I'm, I'm going to answer, as you know, I answer the first question. To so give you one answer, and we'll, we'll see more as they come, up, come out. Um, I can only speak from the U.S. side of the equation. And I think that the U.S. side of the equation is there's a rising amount of interest in patient engagement. Uh, but I think there are a couple of things that are not working as well as I would have liked. And it, it's it's funny. I, I feel like there was a push a few months ago, even a few years ago, maybe before COVID. And COVID sort of quashed a lot of things. And I can't figure out if that's COVID or timeline or something else. But the lack of the steady movement forward and that might have been because everyone started focusing on covid that changed that that uh, and again to a man with a hammer everything looks like a nail the compliance portions that i wanted to have so that i can enable my clients to, to take the right steps that we seem to have stumbled there um but i think the intent is still there i think that the fda and um and ema and everyone else is saying we want this to happen but until you tell us how uh, we we have to we have to be careful. Um, there have been instances, as you know, where uh, patient engagement programs have been used as a, a cover for inappropriate engagement. So the question is, how do you? Um, and 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 the, and the funny thing is, it it gets rephrased as in, inappropriate engagement based on what we like to call Monday morning quarterbacking. Someone looks at the thing after the fact and goes oh, that's wrong. Well, during it, that didn't even strike us. But yeah. because there are no clear rules, yeah. and we're literally ma- we're building the ship as we pl- as we yeah. plan to sail it, you, you start going, we think this is okay. Um, and someone gets to use use uh, foresight and, and sort of come back with answers. But the, the point being, I think that the future is bright. 
Um, but it sounds like you guys are at an inflection point. I think we're still uh, gaining steam to come to that inflection point. I'd be very curious from uh, patient advocates themselves, from patients themselves, from healthcare providers, uh, telling me I'm wrong because I would love to hear that I'm only seeing one side of the story, that there's a whole other story happening and I'm just not seeing it. But at this moment, that's what it feels like to me in the U.S. from a compliance perspective. Yeah. Um, are you seeing it differently? Have, have you heard differently? I am seeing it differently. But oh, good. You know, oh, good. I'm seeing it differently. So first of all, quarterbacking, like Monday morning quarterbacking, like you know, my husband like absolutely adores American football, and it, it took it's taken him seven years to explain to me what a hail mary is. So, <laughs> and every time we watch Homeland, it's like this is a hail mary. This is a hail mary. <laughs> So um, obviously on catch up because I'm a bit behind because I'm quite busy. Um, so I'm really grateful that you gave me this Monday morning quarterbacking. I'm just going to like use it every Monday now as far as I and, and make myself feel more knowledgeable about American football because that's funny. <laughs> but um, I, I'm going to give you some direction. So and, and, and it's really obvious to say check out our YouTube channels. But as part of Patient Engagement Day, we invited um, uh, some patient opinion leaders to uh, candidly speak and they're on video and the videos are on YouTube and they're short, you don't have to spend forever watching them. But they are telling pharma what they're doing well and they're telling pharma what they're not doing well. So when you provide these kind of mechanisms for patients to speak up and when pharma are courageous enough to go, okay, we're going to listen, that's when you start to um, eradicate the bad practices. Second part of that is this is exactly the reason why we created PEP Talks, which um, PEP Talk is PEP Talk, but it stands for Patient Engagement Practices because you're absolutely right. We don't have legislation or guidelines or rules or regulations. We have good publication practice. We don't have good patient engagement practice, but it will come. And creating PEP Talks, and that's one of our Twitter channels, is to share those best practices. Because again, the more we share them, the more we iron out the problems and the more that we correct the things that could start going down an inappropriate path and bring them back on track. So this is one of the things that you get to do as an agency. And this is why, you know, people always say to me, why do you not work as patient engagement head within a pharma company? The reason I don't is because I really like the independence. Obviously, pharma are our clients and, you know, please give us some patient engagement work. We will do it really brilliantly for you. Obviously, I have to say that. However, what you get to do within an agency is you are on the pulse of all the regulations. You also have the ear of the patient groups and the patient leaders. So, you know, um, you know, at, at grassroots level, what is and isn't acceptable. And you also get to hear about what is and isn't acceptable. So what you get to do in an independent role like mine um, is, is you're able to kind of go, hang on a minute, guys you know, greater good, my pharma clients know you shouldn't be doing that and that will get you into trouble. But also you should be doing this because right. you need to be more, you know, um, courageous and confident that your compliance partners in your organization aren't going to get you into trouble. And it comes from that place of, you know, the, the beauty of being in an independent organization is you can see all the different parts um, and you can see where things could go wrong. And I absolutely, and fortunately within um, patient engagement circles, um, we're kind of all learning together still because we're all learning from patients and we're learning what is and isn't.
honestly say to pharma clients and even prospective clients, no, no, it's a no. It's a no because of this, but you can do this. And it's, maybe it's just me, maybe it's just the amazing people I work with, but they're quite happy to take that direction and guidance. And, and, and I love that because I don't ultimately have a pharma asset to bring through the pipeline. What I have to do is help pharma clients and patient groups to get the stuff they need. And if that gets a, a, a really good medicine through the pipeline quicker to patients, everybody wins. But if it also means that patients get education and they get activation and they get um, support programs, that's also great. So I'm a a lucky lady to to have this role. I love it. As you know, next question. What is something you've learned in the last month? Well, I just learned today what Monday morning quarterbacking is. I mean, (laughs) that's, that's way too easy. There you go. I tell you what I will tell you has happened in the last month. Okay. Um, like I said, you know, there's been a, a really good publication and it's it's open pharma collaboration um, and it's produced by a competitor by Oxford Pharma Genesis. Um, and they've actually just published um, uh, guidelines on how to write um, uh, a plain language summary and the use of a plain language summary. Now, at Prime Patient, we're all about patient activation measures. But they all lead to each other. You know, the point is, you know, if we do a good patient language summary, we then know how to do a good patient voice publication. We are all about activating the patient. So it's about joining the dots. So I've learned that in the last month. So, you know, far be it from me to promote a competitor. But do you know what? We all benefit. Absolutely. (laughs) Next question. What is something that's made you happy in the last week? Patient Engagement Day. I mean, it was the 1st of September, so it's less than a week ago. Well, it's more than a week ago. But that was huge. Um, but what's made me actually happy? I think my kids going back to school. Oh, my God. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, and then the last question, which is how can people reach you? And we've been flashing it all, all throughout the conversation. But well, on Twitter, they can reach you at Study Emma. Yeah. Also, you know, join up to um, at Pep Talks on our Twitter because we are independently sharing case studies and answering all these questions. Somebody just today said, "What's trial syncing?" Never heard of it. Um, so, you know, what we're trying to do is create a channel where people can, you know, ask those questions for a friend, or yeah. we, can, we can actually share what doesn't work and what does work. So, it, I'd really love it if people started to use Pet Talks Twitter um, to to keep this moving forward. I'm on LinkedIn. You know, you can you Absolutely. can find me there, and you know, email the team, and you know, let us put your patient engagement strategy together because we're good at it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> There you go. Plum. Again, Emma, this was amazing. Thank you so much Thank for being you. on. This was perfect. And I hope we, we hope to have you back soon again. Well, I'm definitely going to be back on uh, September the 2nd next year after the second patient engagement day. There you go. There you go. I'm, I'm hoping before then, but we'll, we'll talk soon. Awesome. Thank you for your time. Thank you again. Bye now.